0: I was meditating on the book of Jonah and something came to me and I had a thought that the book of Jonah is a very powerful gospel. And it's not just a of book but it's also very personal because it deals with the and Godre, the Ninevites, and the Godre, Jonah, who is an example of the people of God and the church of God today. It's a book that we can learn a lot than what I'm just going to speak about. This is just a summary. It's a very, very detailed book, though it's just five chapters. There is a lot that we can learn from this book of Jonah. And today, I want us to look at, through, through this book, how God reveals the thoughts of our hearts. Because it's only him who can read what is in our hearts. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you have given us that we may hear from your word. Father, speak to me and speak through me to all who are gathered here in your sanctuary. Help us to understand what lord you you have prepared for us today lord speak to us in jesus name amen in past part 1 of this book i had talked about jonah and uh, how jonah was commissioned at first and how he had fled from God, and then I spoke about Jonah and his experience with the pagan sailors. And finally, that week, I also talked about Jonah and his prayer. Today, the outline of what I'm going to talk about is, is very simple. It's three points, but four points, but I have divided it into two major points. But before I get to the context of our message today, I would like to remind ourselves that this book of Jonah is very, very interesting. Why? Because it's about missions, Jonah was sent as a missionary to a foreign country, which was enemy of Israel. And also, Jonah is a type of Jesus. Jonah is one of the four prophets who are mentioned by Jesus by name. Of course, others are Isaiah, Daniel, and Zechariah. But Jonah receives more than a mere mention because Jesus actually identified himself with the prophet's three days sojourn in the belly of a great fish, noting it as a foreshadowing of his own death when Jesus would spend three days in the heart of the earth before his resurrection. Jesus identified with the prophet at the lowest point of Jonah's life. And this finds, or is echoed in the book of Hebrews, where it teaches that Jesus had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. Jonah, part one, Jonah complies to God's recommissioning and he speaks God's message which the Ninevites respond by faith. This is where we have read from chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. One question we need to ask at this point is, does Jonah recommissioning means obedience? Was he really obedient to God? We will know as we continue the unfolding of this story. We can identify three changes in this recommissioning of Jonah in chapter 3, verse 1 to 3a. Open your Bible and just look at the parts that I'll be mentioning, the text. I'm not going to back to read the text, but you can see it in chapter 3, verse 1 to 3a. One, instead of being recommissioned to preach against the Ninevites, Jonah is recommissioned to preach to the Ninevites. The message did not come exactly the way it came in the first place. Number two, instead of preaching because their wickedness has rising before me, that is, before God, Jonah is recommissioned to preach the message I am on God is about to give to him. There is a difference. The message is revised. These two changes open up to the possibility that the judgment against the Ninevites that we anticipated, based on the opening verses of the book, might not come to realization. When you start from chapter 1, you may think that if Jonah is going straight to Nineveh, then God is kind of going to destroy that city. Like the message was, go and tell them I'm going to destroy the city. But here in this recommissioning, Jonah is told to go and preach the message that God is going to give him. Another message, a very simple message that we are going to hear about. Number three, instead of disobeying by getting up and fleeing to Tarshish. Jonah complies with God's recommissioning by getting up and going to Nineveh. Jonah had some experience with the Ninevites. When he started preaching, it was never the same again. You know, we expected maybe the Ninevites are are going to, to say, We don't know what you are talking about. Here, one thing that we need to know is Nineveh is once again described as a great city. And in no doubt, it was a great city because of the size, of its size. But it was also great in the sense that it was important to God, something Jonah was not really prepared for. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And God, at some point, used Assyria to punish the northern kingdom. Before the Babylonians come to the southern kingdom, the Assyrians were the first to be used by God to punish God's people because of their disobedience. So God had a heart of preparing these people. And I was trying to think about why did God send Jonah all the way to Nineveh to preach to them, and then they they repent and believe in God, and they are spared from the greatest to the least— there must be something that God was, was doing with these people because he wanted to use them in his missions now to chastise his own people because of their obedience, disobedience. When you read this chapter 3, verse 3b to 10, you will see three, four things that are occurring. The first one is the response of the Ninevites was immediate. You know, the message of Jonah was very simple. In 40 days, I'm going to destroy this city. In 40 days. And here, we see people responded immediately. They did not wait. We are not told, we are told that in 40 days, but we are not told how, how long did Jonah preach this message. It, it, we don't know exactly, but we know the message was God had given them 40 days in which if they don't change their behavior and their attitude, whatever reason that God was was, was about to judge them, then he's going to destroy the entire city. But it's surprising that when we look at the way we preach today, you know, Nobody cared about knowing the credentials of Jonah, who is Jonah, why did you come, what do you know, how much have you known, what is your experience? We don't hear any evaluation, the message was very simple, and the message was true, but they never asked whether it is true or not. They just believed in God. And this was immediate. Number two, the response was sincere. You know, here, (laughs) this setting of the message and the response of the people is quite separate from the response of the king. First, the people responded, and we are given emphasis of what they responded, how they responded. They even declared fasting. And then we are told that when the king heard about that, he made a proclamation which was very official with a zeal, that all the people, the great and the small, the animals, everything in that city should get into fasting. So here, the other emphasis for us is that the people of Nineveh responded from their heart to the message of Jonah, and not just to the decree of their king and his nobles, but from the message of Jonah, which Jonah spoke directly from God according to what God wanted him to speak about. The response was also pervasive here we are we, we are given a description of description of how people responded. it's from the big ones to the real ones regardless of the particular meaning of this phrase from the big ones to the real ones here, it means everyone repentant. Everyone repentant. I think this is kind of an heart in the Bible. A whole, a big city of 120,000 people repenting. And this perversiveness emphasizing the king's decree which, who caused man and beast, herd and flock, to moan and pray and turn from their wickedness. This is something that sometimes we don't understand, but it happened. The entire city is involved in response to Jonah's message. The response was also hopeful. The king asked, who knows, who knows that you know, God is gonna change his, his heart? Who knows? The king is expressing hope that the Ninevites might not perish. There was great hope. It's not just a mere, you know, fasting and repentance. But they had trust in God, the God who they never knew. The God who they never worshipped. But now here is a a stranger, Jonah, coming all the way to Nineveh to preach. They had very rare or real knowledge of God, of the Word of God. Yet they responded by faith, which is very remarkable as we have seen. It was immediate, sincere, pervasive, and hopeful. Before we get to the, to the next part, In the morning, when I was meditating about Jonah and about the wants of Jesus, I was taken back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 36. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowns, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's like standing in the middle of of the city of uh, Washington, D.C. on Sunday And you see this crowd, some going east, some going north, some going uh, south, some going west. You know, people are very busy. It's like, you know, they, they, they have no idea. It's like they have no idea that today they can get into the house of the Lord just for one hour to thank God and to pray. People are always helpless outside there in the world. People are perishing. People are helpless. But Jesus had compassion. And this compassion is the one which led Jesus Christ even to be crucified because... He had compassion. And this compassion did not just take place because Jesus was just watching people this day, but it's a compassion that God has for everyone. The book of Jonah is the book, like the book of the Great Commission. It's like where Jesus is commissioning the disciples to go to the world. let's hear how jonah responded to these people after preaching to them so jonah had no compassion while god had compassion for the for ninevites chapter 4 verse 1 to 11 open chapter 4 verse 1 to 11 go with me as i as i speak the word and you realize how this book is very personal. It speaks to the people of God and to the pagans outside there who don't even know the Word of God. Some who have never even heard about the Word of God in a far country. In chapter 4, verse 1 to 4, we hear Jonah becoming angry. You know, the Ninevites, they repented and, and, and got themselves off the wickedness that was spoken against them that in 40 days, God is going to destroy the city and everything and everyone that is there. But it ju- also, we hear that God got rid of him of his tremble, that He had threatened bring, to bring against the Ninevites. So He changed his heart according to the reading. So the result was that neither the Ninevites nor God were any longer associated with the wickedness and tremble. They were free from trouble. The heart of God had changed. His mind had changed. The heart of the Ninevites had changed, starting from the king, the greatest, to the to the little, and the cows, and the goats, everything that was in the city was spared that wickedness. They were no longer troubled by their Passed. And God was no longer troubled by their situation because they had got rid of that. They were free. But because of this, Jonah experiences deep trouble. Only Jonah was left with the trouble. He had no compassion for the Ninevites. He had no compassion. How bad it is when people of God lack compassion for the lost. How ironic that in response to the Ninevites and God freeing themselves, the Ninevites and God freeing themselves of their trouble, and wickedness, God, Jonah became filled with the trouble. That's funny. So, Jonah in his prayer explained to God why he fled to Talshish when God commissioned him to, to go to Nineveh. Because he knew God's nature. He seem, it seems that Jonah is trying to justify his behavior. The very thing that most of us, including myself, sometimes we we do. Sometimes we try to justify our behavior because we are the people of God. Sometimes we don't see those pagans outside there, those people who have rebelled against God and against his word, that God has compassion on them. Whether they are are perishing or not, God has that compassion, and he wishes that if these people would change their hearts and repent and believe in me, Jonah knew that God was gracious and compassionate, patient and full of covenant commitment and would change his course of action and not bring the trouble that he had threatened. But he is wrong in his attempt to justify his disobedience on that basis. Jonah is partially true, you know, (laughs) that God is compassionate, but he is wrong in trying to to base his argument and defense of what he had done before, disobeying God and running away to Tarshish by mentioning that God has compassion, and he knows that God is going to change. And that's why he was not, because Jonah expected that, and his will, he expected, and not only expected, he has willed that the Ninevites be destroyed. How often, sometimes we, 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 we are tempted to think like Jonah, And we wish our enemies are destroyed and and finished. So we are surprised and shocked at Jonah's response of anger, at God's compassion, instead of being delighted. You know, Jesus said there is joy because of one sheep that is lost and is found. One sinner that repent, there is joy in heaven because of that one soul that is saved. But here we see people, a lot of people, 120,000 inhabitants of Nineveh. But we know that God has a lesson he is teaching Jonah, the way he wants to teach us today and the way he teaches his people because he loves us. In spite of how silly and senseless Jonah responds to God's compassion towards Ninevites, Jonah remained the son of God's faithfulness. And here the scene closes with God gently asking Jonah if Jonah was justified in being so angry. This final scene in chapter 4, verse 5 to 11, just look at those ones as I I go through the, the content of this message. This episode, the last episode, is very different from other episodes in this book of Jonah. The question raised at the beginning of the story as to what will happen to the Ninevites has already been answered. God has spared the the Ninevites and John has tried to bring his argument because of God's compassion. But here now, God turns now to Jonah himself like the way he deals with the world and then he deals with us. So we expect that the question raised as to what will happen to Jonah will be answered in this concluding now section. Because God had not finished dealing with Jonah. Even after getting him out of the belly of the fish, God pursued Jonah because he knew his heart. Even when he was sending him him to Nineveh, he knew his heart. Let's go through this last part and hear what is happening. One, we know the Lord's desire for the city, which is chapter 4, verse verse 10 to 11, was that it's contrasting. When you look at that content of chapter 4, it's contrasted between the text is contrast contrast between the heart of Jonah and the heart of God. God desired to save the city, but Jonah desired destruction of the city. So in Jonah's heart, we see a deep desire for destruction in chapter 4, verse 5. And while God's heart in, while in God's heart we see a deep desire for the sparing of the city, Jonah is not for that. We see Jonah's heart for the city in chapter four verse five. Having just been asked by God if Jonah was justified in being angry at the sparing of the city. He turned on his heels and walked out of the city. He walked out of the city. Just because of that question. Because he is not satisfied with God's decision. He sat down on the east side of the city where he would be exposed to the hot desert wind that would blow from the east, and that was frequently experienced as a form of divine judgment. When you read Psalms 48 verse 7, Isaiah 27 verse 8, Jeremiah 18:17, 17, Ezekiel 17:10, 17, Hosea 13 verse 15, the desert wind is used as a figure of God's judgment. Or a symbol of God's judgment. So, Jonah sat to the east of the city for a long time from the raising of the sun to the setting of the sun. And he was very uncomfortable. So, he built a shelter for himself. Why? To do what? To rescue, to escape. From the heat of the of the day. Knowing that the city had been spared, Jonah sat hoping against the hope that in the final hour, God would yet relent of his relenting and destroy the city anyway. But God, in keeping with his compassion, he provided a plant to deliver Jonah from his wickedness and trouble. So the shelter that Jonah built was not enough. So God had to to improvise. God had to provide something better out of compassion. So what is God doing here? The Lord wanted to deliver Jonah not only from his external, you know, external, Trample, heat, but also from his internal heart, wickedness, just like he had delivered the Ninevites from their wickedness. So, when Jonah experienced the compassion of the Lord in this way, he was very happy because of this plant which grew, (laughs) you know, so quickly. There's a miracle. Jonah experiences a miracle. That we can call a miracle. Something happens. And Jonah is very happy, happy. But this is a contrast about Jonah being troubled when the Ninevites experienced compassion of God. You know, in our first part, Jonah experienced the compassion of God, and now here, again, he experiences the compassion of God. God provides a plant for the shamed. And Jonah is very happy, but he's not happy because of the compassion that God had provided to the Ninevites and spared them. I think here, Jonah is acting weird. and sometimes we do that, <laughs> sometimes we, we act that way without knowing, and sometimes after our actions, we realize our actions are not good and we repent. But Gonda is, I mean, Jonah is remaining silly and senseless because that's, that was his name. Silly and senseless, Jonah. The compassion of the Lord does not always come in a gentle fashion. And God wanted Jonah to learn from him. So something happened. At dawn, the next day, the Lord appointed a worm that struck the plant to the ground. It dried up. There was no more shade the next day. So, the Lord appointed also a scorched weed, a hot desert weed that combined with the blazing sun to drain Jonah of his emotional and physical strength i think Jonah was, was very strong emotionally and physically to contest with god and god is teaching him a lesson now jonah god is dealing with his emotions now the plant is gone the sun is rising It's becoming hot and his physical strength is going down. And now Jonah reached to a point that he was so troubled that he said he was better off dead than alive. So the Lord asked Jonah if he was justified over the destruction of the plant. He's complaining because of the plant. But he never complained about the you know the Ninevites being destroyed. Now the plant is important there but than the Ninevites because it's gone. So Jonah's response was that he wished that he was dead. But God wanted him to learn a lesson. The Lord tried one final time to get to Jonah's heart. And here, in chapter 4, verse 10 to 11, we arrive at the climax of the story. We are coming to an end, and I'm going to read these two verses Jonah chapter 4, verse 10 to 11. The Bible says, and the Lord said, you the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from the left, and also much cattle. So the Lord began by pointing out that Jonah was, after all, compassionate—a compassionate person. Actually, it doesn't mean Jonah had no compassion, but his compassion was directed to wrong things, or what is not very important according to the situation of the Ninevites. So it was directed to the plant. He he had compassion. And God asked Jonah for permission to have compassion on the great city of Nineveh. It's like God is negotiating with his his servant, you know, the prophet. And because, of course, God had chosen him and he had to, to use him but he had to teach him, maybe, and this is what I've been thinking about. The book of Jonah is more about and this is I, I, I said it, God of how God deals with the, the the people of the world and his church today. because, if he has to deal with the people of the world and he is using the church, we, have, we must have the compassion like that of God. So in contrast just one plant that Jonah had compassion on, the Lord wanted to have compassion of a hand, on 120. Thousand people. He wanted Jonah to understand the life of these people is very precious to him. In conclusion, I have a question. What are our hearts like? Are our hearts like Jonah? Jonah that one happy. Jonah, Jonah's heart that was happy at the grace and compassion of God extended to him, but unhappy because of the grace and compassion of God extended to other people and was angry at the grace of, and compassion of God because of that. We think Jonah, you know, we like, we like Jonah uh, to one degree or another and from time to time out of being in agreement with the heart of God. Sometimes we get out of with the with the heart of God. Us, And yet, we remain like Jonah, Ben Amittai, the sons and daughters of God's faithful love. This is my prayer. Let us pray. Lord, help us. Help us to be faithful and compassionate like you. And may our reflection on the story of Jonah deepen our gratitude for the faithful love and compassion that you extend to us every day. And having experienced more of God's love and compassion, may our hearts become more and more like yours. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.